Good morning and welcome to the PW Grocer, or actually the PWGC Environmental Echo. I am Paul Boyce, President and CEO of PWGC, the host of the Environmental Echo. And today we've got another really, I mean, a fascinating, exciting guest, uh, Mark Herbst from Long Island Contractors Association. is going to be talking about environmental issues and how they relate to, well, major construction projects here on Long Island in the Nassau-Suffolk region. Um, just to give you a little bit of background on him, we'll get to that in a second. But before I dive into that, uh, starting off, if you guys have any questions or need to reach us, um, either during, after, or before this podcast, you can always get, get us on our website, which is www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. Again, that's the Environmental Echo. Um, and today's guest, Mark Herbst, he is, as I said, the Executive Director of the Long Island Contractors Association. And if you, for those that like uh, acronyms and abbreviation, that's LICA, mm-hmm. you know, and I do appreciate that. They're based out of Melville, um, and they have some real excellent influence in, in the Regional Trade Association for Heavy Construction here on the island. Uh, Mark has served as that executive director since 2006, correct Mark? Yes. And he oversees uh, the services, programming, labor, and safety training of more than the 170 member firms uh, and acts as the voice of the industry uh, both from public and government advocacy. Uh, under his tenure, you know, Leica's role as a major driver of the Long Island economy has grown dramatically in recent years and is responsible for thousands of construction jobs uh, within the region here on Long Island. Mark serves as president, also serves as president of the New York Roadway Infrastructure Coalition. Uh, that's N-Y-R-I-C, another acronym. What would you NYRIC. Say? NYRIC. <laughs> I was going to get to that. That makes it a little bit easier on us. And he's also past chairman of uh, the Council of State Executives for the American Road and Transportation Builders Association. I'd say ART. ARTBA. A-R-T-B-A. We love acronyms here. And this is something I didn't know, that you were also a five-term former New York State Assemblyman. Yes, I served uh, when I was a child. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> Over 25 years ago. Wow. I, mean, that's, that, I did not know that. Um, and and I, I'm glad to have known Mark for a number of years um, through my professional associations, in particular with the American Council of Engineering Companies, of which I served as the regional chair um, and, and had the, 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 the privilege and pleasure to work along Mark with um, you know, common goals and uh, initiatives. And also joining us today, we have from my, my office a return guest, you know, kind of like our Ed McMahon to the show here. <laughs> We've got Charlie Bartha, who is a senior vice president. Uh, he's, you know, one of the guys that's now heading up our business development efforts. And he's also, he's worked with Mark um, cooperatively over the year on a variety of su- successful projects. And, and I want to welcome Mark to the show today, Mark. And, Thanks and, for having me. No, I, I'm glad to have you here. And uh, like I said, this is going to make this some really, really interesting topics we have to cover. Um, some that are pretty widely known to many Long Islanders and, and people of the region. Um, so why don't we just we dive into some of these, these topics. Uh, let's start with, you know, y- you've been involved with infrastructure development across the island. You know, what are the environmental issues that you believe have come to define the region here? Well, I think uh, the first thing you start with, understand we are an island. We are surrounded by water, and the water uh, has been the, the backbone, if you will, of the entire economy that we have. We started out as a fishing uh, community, and we built from there. And uh, we are now one of our strongest industries is tourism, and that's because of the quality of life that we have in the economic system. So we've got to do all that we can to protect those resources. We have to remove the nitrates from the water, uh, install sewers. And often people see construction and the environment as in opposition, and we aren't. 
uh, we work very closely with our environmental partners and to try to make those improvements because the people who live here work here and it's our community. We want to make sure the environment's protected. So it's always in the forefront and we got to keep that attitude. I, Mark, you're, you're singing our praises here as, a, as an environmental firm, you know, an engineering firm. Uh, that's what we, we strongly believe. That's, that's our mission, you know. Um, we want a, a sustainable, resilient Long Island. Uh, we want it to, to thrive, prosper, grow. You know, we want opportunity for, you know, all of our residents. And, and, uh, and I agree that construction is a big part of that. You know, without that, you know, redevelopment and infrastructure, you know, where would we be? It absolutely can be done in harmony, and certainly, Mark, uh, you recognize that, and we recognize that, but often I think uh, we are framed as uh, industry that is not interested in the environment. Well, that, that is for sure, and, you know, times are changing, though. That's true. Right? So one of the bigger topics, you know, and I, I know we've got listeners and viewers that are going to be certainly interested in this because this affects a great number of them. Um, it's the Oakdale merge, right? Efforts are underway to improve the merge. At least we hope they are, right? We haven't seen much yet. Uh, I know there's been some repaving over in the area recently, and it's, it's nice, but it's not relieving a lot of the, the congestion and, and the issues. You know, what are the traffic impacts? Uh, what are the environmental concerns with regard to, like, say, Connecticut State Park over there? But, I mean, the big thing that people are going to be interested in is right off, you know, the traffic. That is just it's more like the bane of the, the, the whole region, or one of them. Well, you know, you look, uh, and to put it in perspective, um, Oakdale Merge is built, and it's also, if you look a mile and a half to the west, the Southern State Party Parkway ends, and that's a main, one of the three main roads, it ends. So you've essentially, you have 16 lanes collapsing down into six to go through that merge, and that's really the congestion that's there each and every day. So the frustration that people experience is because of that, the capacity isn't there. And uh, to compare it to another project, everyone's looking at things that are going on in Queens around LaGuardia Airport, and they've got a major expansion of the, uh, the Van Wick Expressway. Yeah. A needed project. The Van Wick Expressway has 134,000 vehicles per day, average annual daily traffic. The Oakdale Merge has 154,000 vehicles <laughs> per day. And people say, you know, New York City, the highways are there. We've got more traffic being pushed through the Oakdale merge than they do at the Van Wick, and people don't realize that. That's how significant the project is. And uh, as they were trying to develop programs and for funding at the federal level uh, with the infrastructure money that we pray we will get, uh, one of the projects that the Long Island uh, Regional Planning Board pushed for, one of the six major projects, was the Oakdale merge. And we are strongly pushing right now to include funding, at least on the state level, with or without the federal money, for $50 million to start an EIS to get that project moving so we can make the repairs in Oakdale. I mean, so what, what's the, what are some preliminary or conceptual ideas that may be getting kicked around as to how do we fix this, this congestion, this, this, this traffic tie-up that you know, so many Long Islanders are frustrated with and seem to, to have to bear the burden of uh, you know, at least five days a week coming and going? Well, several years ago, the Department of Transportation had a public session where people were invited to come in and give their ideas. It was probably one of the largest turnouts of any public meeting 
uh, with the DOT hosted on Long Island. Uh, and the feedback they got was basically, they want it done, they want it done now. And some of the proposals, as any other environmental study has, is a no-build alternative all the way to double-decking it, as you uh, recommended or suggested. And what we have seen is the cost prices for some of these preliminary projects are between 250 and $750 million. This is a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. But the first thing we need to do is do the environmental impact study. And uh, with all the money that we're looking forward to from the federal government, We've talked to the Long Island Regional Planning Council and the uh, New York State DEC and uh, the Environmental uh, Department to talk about funding, and they've come up with six major projects. The Oakdale merge was one of them, and we're asking DOT in the, at least the next budget, with or without the federal money, to at least expend $50 million to start the EIS to look at that. Wow. I mean, it's it, it's interesting how that section of Sunrise Highway runs, you know, I don't want to say right through the middle of Kennequat State Park, but it's right up against it. It is. And to the south, you've got, what, what's that, Westbrook and, uh, you know, some real sensitive and really pretty, pristine, beautiful uh, environment, you know. How do you go about doing a, undertaking a, a nearly billion-dollar project and, and maintaining that, you know, pristine beautiful environment, as we just said. Well, we have to be environmentally sensitive, but uh, we have the engineering expertise to do that. If anything, we may improve and enhance the environment if it's done appropriately. We no longer live in the environment where Robert Moses shows up with the bulldozers in the middle of the night and plows through. It's, uh, again, this is our community, our home. We have to be environmentally sensitive and do it correctly. And uh, if we do that and we have the safeguards in, you're going to improve the air quality because you're not going to have the congestion there. And you can put viaducts and all kinds of different things underneath to connect the wildlife and the aquifer, make sure there's no interruption or runoff, pollutants and things. Those are the things that need to be looked at. And uh, I think we're intelligent enough that we have the sophistication to do what's necessary to make everything overall better than it is today. Right, as, as you realize, Paul, there's pl plenty of ways to restore habitat, and I'm sure the state will explore all of those and in the EIS. And uh, maintaining traffic through there while this mega project goes on would be another big big undertaking. Well, yeah, but that's also been done. You look at the Tappan Zee Bridge. Uh, uh, and related to this topic, right, uh, I've had people, you know, oh, you're an engineer, what do you think of this? And it's sort of the future of transportation with electric cars and smart cars and driverless cars. Is this project even going to be necessary? You know, people have approached me with these concepts. I'm not a transportation or highway traffic engineer of any type of sort. You know, I'm a, I'm a water guy. I, I didn't know how to answer it. I believe, uh, you know, I'm a transportation engineer and specializing in, uh, you know, the highway side with the traffic. And what we see is the projections, the traffic will increase. And Long Island, like it or not, has a love affair with the car, uh, with, the, with the, uh, what we've gone through with uh, COVID-19. We've seen people wanting more personal space, which means staying in their vehicles. And travel patterns are changing where you're not city-based, the, the central business district. So the travel patterns will be different. You will be traveling closer to home. And without the mass transit, which we do not have, a sufficient system, the increase in vehicles probably will continue, and we're not going to see a cutback. 
And right now, the Nassau and Suffolk region, Nassau and Suffolk are the only two counties of the 62 counties in the state that each have more than a million registered vehicles. So we've got plenty of cars, and they're not going anywhere. <laughs> That's an excellent answer, you know, and, uh, and I agree. I uh, took the Long Island Railroad back in September for the first time since, like, February of 2020, right, when the pandemic first broke out, and the ridership was still I mean, there was plenty of open seats when I went into the city, when I came out of the city, you know, going through Penn Station. It was really different from the last time I was in there. So I agree. You know, we, we do have this love affair with the, with the vehicles, and I, I don't think the pandemic has helped us get away from that whatsoever. If, if anything, as you pointed out, it's probably furthered our love for them, for the, the personal space. I, I think the important realization here is that there are ways to do it and protect the environment. And this isn't just pushing a major construction project through. So um, there should be less opposition on the environmental side. And the state makes a commitment, which I'm sure they will, that they, and they have to the way things are, are you know, arranged now, the process with the environmental impact statements. I, Charlie, I, I agree. And if, I'd be very surprised if there's anything short of overwhelming support for, for this project um, from an environmental standpoint and from just a, you know, public transportation and, and yeah. private transportation standpoint. Well, I mean, I'm not a freshwater fisherman, but apparently it is a very unique habitat there along yeah. the Connecticut River. So, you know, it is a real concern, and, it, and it, I'm sure it will be addressed, and that's important. Well, we are all anxious and looking forward to the project. So, so moving on, Mark, when we started this podcast, you mentioned that we're on an island. You know, we are surrounded by water. We're sitting on top of our drinking water source. So um, something that's really important to Long Islanders or should be is wastewater infrastructure, you know, and that is front and center for a lot of municipalities here on Long Island. Uh, specifically, we could talk about Suffolk County. You know, there's some real recent uh, interest in this. Uh, PW Grocers is involved. Many of our, our friends and uh, colleagues are involved, as as are the contractors. You know, it's it's going to be a huge undertaking. You know, they've they've recently announced funding for developing collection and treatment systems in, in the Carl's River area, the Forge River area, and also the village of Patchogue. Um, what's Leica's perspective on these efforts? We have been uh, a major support, of course. You know, self-interest. Uh, we will do the work, but we've worked closely with the environmental groups. Uh, you know, and I can't, can't emphasize enough of that this is our community, and uh, that's really a major driving force. And um, Steve Ballone, to his credit, pushed and pushed and pushed for, for sewers in Suffolk County. It's been since, uh, you know, the 1970s, I think, were the last sewers installed. And this is a project that's needed. 75% of Suffolk County is not sewer today. Yeah. And so all the wastewater just goes into the ground. It's not being treated. Um, that is not healthy, and it's certainly not for our wildlife. And so uh, this is necessary. We're excited that they uh, had the groundbreaking ceremony uh, in Babylon, so they will be connecting uh, the Calls River section and Patchogue is a few weeks away uh, where the contractor will get the notice to proceed. So it's moving forward. And it's not just the three you mentioned. There's others. There's uh, the Smithtown community. Yep. Uh, Kings Park. Uh, there's one in Huntington. So they're all smaller ones, but they're in the design phase and um, they are moving forward. And I think um, it's necessary and we're really excited about doing these projects. Oh, so are we. And plug a few more. We the, the Oakdale and Sable areas, you know, right, Charlie? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's also the going to, yeah, and there's also private developments they're going to be putting in uh, their own infrastructure and their own treatment plants, you know, all of which will be terrific. 
As with most pro most problems, it's a combination of solutions. It's uh, the centralized sewage treatment plants, which the county expanded Bergen Point a few years ago, and some of these projects are connecting there. You also have uh, all the way down to the innovative alternative systems that uh, oh, yeah. we're doing a lot of the engineering on, yep. and some of the townships are requiring uh, based on their proximity to surface waters. So um, it, it is, and then what a lot of these new projects are, are the, uh, the directional drilling. So yes. you don't disturb as much of the road, you don't have mo as much of the negative impact that the Southwest Sioux District did on its residents. So it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of pieces to the solution. And it's not just limited to Suffolk County. Nassau County has one of the largest uh, public works projects, the Nassau Conveyance Project, connecting the two sewer plants. Uh, you know, that's yep. $550 million. It's just amazing. And uh, that's going to help the flow and the overall system, you know, be more efficient. So we're looking forward to that project, which is now underway. So that's exciting as well. And that's that's a really great project, using uh, a 100-year-old Water, water transmission yeah. line that was no that was not being used on, underneath Sunrise Highway, and putting a, a pipe through that to transmit the so it's getting sewage. repurposed. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. And not to mention the the, the outfall at Bergen Point. Mm -hmm. You know, I, every time I go down Ocean Parkway, I see them. You know, set up on the north side of the, the Barrier Island with yeah. the with the pit and the, the drilling and everything else. Talk right. about you know boring or directional drilling. I mean that thing's massive. That's it's also uh, yeah. I don't know was it a billion dollar project or something or multi billion? Yeah, well, it's huge. Yeah, it was a very big project. And uh, again, it was using techniques that weren't available 50 years ago when it was done. First so time. I mean the improvements that we're, we're looking forward to, uh, the, the benefits will be reaped, um, and it may be a long time before we see, you know, a fully sewered Nassau and Suffolk County. Um, but once it is, it will also take a long time for what's already made its way to the groundwater to dissipate. So uh, no well, time like the present to get started, I suppose. You're right. And the environmental uh, benefits are obvious, but also the economic input. How, yeah. Uh, right now, you know, you can't get a permit to open a new shop, a retail thing, uh, you know, a restaurant. And this gives the opportunity to have some economic development. So That's which a great is point, more Mark. encouraging for, for people to open businesses and stay on Long Island gives you job opportunities. Yep, and additional places to live, you know, if we can develop smartly on our downtowns, which we've, we've seen in some areas, like Patchogue and, and others, it's, it's sky's the limit, I guess, if we can do it right. Um, so something else I wanted to talk about, and this is probably a broad topic, but it's, it, it pertains to our region's road network, you know, and it's uh, critical for, for many, many reasons. You, you mentioned the economy and um, tourism and, and everything else, but Leica, you guys play a pr preeminent role in advocating for the funding and improvement of this the, the regional road network system. Uh, how would you describe the present condition of Long Island's roads? I think uh, people should be very concerned. It's like the roof of your home. You don't pay attention to it until it starts leaking. And if you look, particularly our residential streets, you look at our neighborhood roads, uh, you go outside, that's the first thing you see. And if we look at the history of how Long Island was built, it was subdivision by subdivision. And most of those developers who put in those homes, residential areas, were required to build the streets. Think of when your home was built in that neighborhood. They haven't been replaced other than during the sewer construction program, again, which ended around 1980. <laughs> those roads haven't been replaced yep. since then. If they haven't been properly maintained, and most of them because of money, 
and the taxes that people don't want to pay, they're paying enough, so the cutbacks have been deferred maintenance. So what you have seen is an infrastructure, a system where a road is bonded, municipal bonds for about 30 years, similar to a home mortgage, they're beyond that expectancy. Our roads now that were funded to the last 30 years are now 40, 50 years old. If they all start deteriorating at the same time, what are we going to do? Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's what we're really approaching at this point. So we are in an ideal time when the federal government is talking about spending money on infrastructure. We've got the needs. We can use the money here. One of the things that LICA does that I think is really invaluable is the, uh, the survey of all the municipalities on Long Island and the disparity between uh, some of the towns and villages and counties as to how much they spend and and you present it in a per capita fashion it's uh it's very good information yeah, we did a you know this recommendation we took uh across the board everything was objective compared about information that they provided from their budgets to the state controller so we can tell you how much each municipality spent per lane mile or per resident and then you, to tell the elected officials as they're putting together their budgets where do you stand and compare to your neighboring town and when you see the figures uh, at the low end, we had the town of Riverhead, extremely low. Now, if you look at the condition of the roadways and you look at the neighboring town that's spending more, well, now you've got to make adjustments and decide what your priorities are. But we've given them the data to make those decisions. So where does the, besides taxing the local residents, where does the funding come from? Is it from the federal government? Is it grants? How do they go about, what's the solution? How do they get the money? Again, it's the priority. Uh, with school, everyone jumps up and down and screams for school aid. And I'm not, again, I'm not attacking schools. We need as much as we can get from the state. On the highway side, it's called the CHIPS program. Um, for the last five years, last year there was a slight increase, but before that it was Long Island. All the municipalities on Long Island in total received $40 million from the state of New York. There were over 17 school districts in Suffolk County alone that each received more than $40 million in state aid for their schools. Now, that's very telling. And that's, I'm not disparaging schools, but that's ignoring the need for the highway infrastructure when that's all you're getting from the state. And the state overall budget, only 2% is spent for operations for transportation. So it's a matter of telling your officials what is your priority? And we have to advocate stronger and louder. Roads are a very important part of the economy and supporting the economy. And so without that, uh, you have more traffic. Without supporting, you have more traffic. Cars are running longer because you get more pollution. So it, it really does tie into the environment as well. So in, in terms of the conditions of the roads, is it just we need to resurface, you know, mill and fill, or do we need to like really reconstruct these things, come up with better drainage, you know, not just curb and gutter type things, and, and you know, the highways, is it using different types of materials that are stronger, last longer? What, what are the solutions, Mark? It's a combination of all. It depends on a particular situation. If you look at the parkway system on Long Island, built in the 1920s, um, we don't know where half the drains are. If there's a failure, if a collapse, DOT over time has just filled them in with sand. 
Um, you, they don't have the drawings from the original design. We don't know where the underground pipes are. And uh, to do a massive study just to figure it out how to do that. Uh, you talk about climate change. We have, you know, once in a hundred storm that's happening every other year. Yep. You know, it's things are bad. The uh, drains are not being cleaned and maintained. Uh, that's causing a lot of problems. And these are issues that are certainly need to be addressed. And, uh, you know, I actually wrote an editorial on Newsday not too long ago about how that has to be funded. And we have to look at that and make those repairs. I did recall reading the article <laughs> or the editorial. Um, so you brought it up, and this is, you know, the $2 trillion gorilla in the room, I guess. And I, I've got to bring it up. You know, we're here we are at the beginning of November 2021. You know, there's been talk of this infrastructure bill for easily the last year, maybe longer. Um, it looks and it hopes to be finalized soon and something may come out. How do you see that affecting the region? You know, what, what are going to be the benefits for Long Island? Well, the largest public works program that the federal government ever funded was the interstate highway system. That was $500 million. What they're talking about now, if it goes through, and supposedly today as we tape, it's supposed to be before the Congress, and we'll see if that happens or not. But uh, the program for the infrastructure is $1.2 trillion. That's four times higher than they spent on the entire interstate highways in today's dollars. Right, right. So that's a lot of money. But what does that mean for the region? Um, they want this to start right away. So the funding formulas that exist today, if you just pump more dollars in there, it will bring about a 30% increase in dollars for Long Island over the next 10 years. That's uh, a significant increase. I was going to say, talk about a return on investment, yes. right? And, you know, you know, another boon would be, you know, you and I were talking before the, the podcast here is uh, I was attending the American Council of Engineering Companies fall conference last week in Florida. And obviously this is a hot topic. It's going to affect not only the contractors industry, but the engineering industry. They, they pointed out if, if this comes to fruition over the next 10 years, we'll need an additional 80 plus thousand uh, engineers. Right. Um, we're already having a capacity problem. Um, I'm sure. The Leica members are hopefully very busy, just like the engineering industry. Um, how do you see this affecting the, the, uh, the labor market? I think it's going to be an attraction to bring young people into the field. Uh, you know, baby boomers are aging out. They're retiring yeah. on top of, you know, the additional work. So that's uh, something we have to look at. So we have to put together programs to attract people to the industry. But as far as job creation as well, uh, infrastructure jobs, for every job we create, the ripple effect is three additional jobs. Uh, the finance industry, every job they create on Wall Street, the ripple effect is two jobs. So we create more jobs. So this is an opportunity to really pump money into the economy. We'll get more, better infrastructure, new jobs. It's just right across the board, everything's going to be an improvement. So we're really excited about that. Um, but I mean, the work you? in the industry is necessary. The other thing, if I don't, uh, on the government side, public works, they hire us to do the work. And we're concerned about the engineers and contractors having the appropriate levels of staffing. Government needs to know and understand they've got to increase the people to do in-house work as well, to do the monitoring and inspections. So if they're not prepared, if they're not able to pay the bills because they don't have the, the administrative staff to handle the paperwork, the invoicing, and the billing, that's going to be a problem as well. So across the board, public and private, we've got to have the 
proper levels of uh, employment. I'm going to see a little bit of a capacity issue coming up, you know, once until this thing really gets going. And you pointed out it could be at the DOT, the DPW level, uh, the, D, the state DEC, you know, all of those agencies, right, they've got to start being prepared to gear up for it as well. Um, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it, and it's, but it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. You know, as I've said, we're, we're having a hard time finding engineers right now, you know, in, not just PW Grocer, but industry-wide. And, uh, you know, just looking for more in the future, we can't meet the capacity that we have at the, at the moment. You know, it's tough to keep up. Like I said, it's a challenge. It's, it's a good problem to have, but yeah. it's still a challenge. Okay. Um, I do want to wrap up with, um, you know, some – Something more on the personal side with you, Mark. Um, we know you're involved with a lot of uh, different variety of charities and foundations. Um, can you tell us about your efforts with the Gino Macchio Foundation, please? Well, as a young man who uh, went through some difficult times and, um, you know, he uh, lost his life and uh, it was an inspiration for what he did in the industry. And uh, we are involved. Our organization supports many activities in the uh, nonprofit agency because, again, we are part of the community and we have an effort uh, to lift up people's lives and help different organizations. We uh, jump to the task as uh, we're proud of the companies that are members of our firms and we had an, uh, one of our members come to us and ask us to get behind this uh, event and we proudly did so and uh, it's just wonderful to, again, support the community and the personal needs and the charities that are out there. So many people are doing good things on Long Island, and we're just proud to be part of it. Encourage others to do the same. Uh, that's that's a great way to end the, the, the podcast here, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, people need to get out there and be involved, be an active a member of the community, and you know, through a foundation like Geno's, that's, that is very noble. Yes. Charlie, anything you want to add before we wrap up today? No, I'd just like to thank Mark for being here. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Mark, thank you for your time. And uh, I just want to wrap up with our listeners. I want to thank them for, for listening or viewing and listening if, if you're on the Internet. Uh, again, you can you want to reach out to PW Grocer. It is through www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. Again, I'm your host today, Paul Boyce, president and CEO of the firm. And I want to thank you again for, for joining us and listening on this really interesting topic uh, with Mark Herbst to, to the, the road to success here for Long Island and the environment. Thanks again.